Today's episode of Strange Assembly is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This is Strange Assembly, episode 186, Pandemic Legacy. So I have to ask you, Matt, if we name the podcast episode after what I think is the best game of 2015, does that mean that this episode becomes, like, the best podcast episode of the year? You know, uh, I think so. I'm here, so I'm a little biased, right? Yes. We should have some sort of, you know, Facebook or Twitter poll or something and see how many people say yes, and then how many people say no, and then when we see how many more no's there are, we cry. We cry and disregard them. (laughs) Yes. Every episode is the best episode. That's right. It's a good thing we don't review games that way, or else (laughs) how would you ever tell what we actually liked? I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Matt Sandlin. Good evening. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at strangeassembly.com or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite uh, RSS feed generator. Do people actually use those anymore outside of like Google Play and an Apple Store functions? I guess they do. I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I, I really don't. I mean, people use the actual services that that produce the RSS feeds. Yeah. So, so it, we haven't had much in the way of episodes this year, and and yet I and Matt have continued to play lots of games. So there's this big backlog of different things that we could talk about. But instead of doing that, we've instead decided to have an episode talking entirely about one game, one and. Game. It's a game that you've probably already heard is amazing, so therefore you need to hear us say that even more, I think. Correct. And and just so you know, there will be spoilers. It, yes. Well, I, I thought we could open at the beginning and not be spoilerific, right? Because there, this is two sort of functions. If If you want a review, you don't want spoilers, because the ultimate conclusion of the review is going to be this game is amazing, and you should really go play it. I concur. Yeah, and so <laughs> if if someone wants this as a review, you don't want to spoil it for them. Then you, we can have, like, the mid-roll, and then we can use spoilers after that. And at that point, it basically is, I've already played this, and let's just listen to two other folks talk about the game, and it's to just sort of listen to some buddies have a conversation. So. Fair enough. And again, if if you haven't played it yet, don't don't go listen to that. Go find a group of people and buy the game and play it. And play it. Then then come back and listen to this and see how your experience was compared to ours. That sort of thing. So I'm going to assume for the course of this that you've whoever listening you are, you've you've played Pandemic or that you can go find out how to play tam- Pandemic from, from somewhere else. If you haven't, in fact, if you, if you have not played Pandemic ever, you should probably go play normal Pandemic a couple of times before you start Pandemic Legacy. Uh, I, that's a 50-50. I would say play it once so you know the base rules. But honestly, it, it, I would say go, just go for, go for the gusto. Get involved and go all the way. And, and Pandemic is not a, uh, a difficult game to learn. So if you haven't played Pandemic at all, the, the theme of Pandemic is that you're a team of uh, researchers and doctors and such trying to cure diseases. You start out at, we have to say this because we're, we're in Atlanta. In Atlanta yes. You start out in Atlanta at the Centers for Disease Control, although I live on the opposite side of the city from the CDC, and you live even further away. <laughs> yes. It is sort of the, probably the iconic cooperative game, I think. It is a fully cooperative, Pandemic is a fully cooperative game, Pandemic Legacy is a fully cooperative game. Yes. It has this mechanism where every turn you flip up cards and disease cubes come out, and if too many disease cubes show up on one spot, then there's a an outbreak and it flashes around 
more disease cubes around to other spots of the board. And you see this mechanic really straight up copy in other games like Flashpoint, Fire Rescue, and Defenders of the Realm. Just flat out copied. <laughs> and if you're into this sort of thing, they're coming out with a, I don't know what it's actually called, but Cthulhu Pandemic. That may actually be what it's called. There's a Cthulhu, and then I think there's actually a, a, a Spanish one, the Iberian Peninsula one that they're supposed to be coming out with as well. Yes, but isn't that something weird, like it's a very limited release at some convention in Spain? Or or it's like the World Championships of... I don't know. Yeah, it's. I don't know that it's going to be a huge release, but it is being released. Yes. So, to me, Pandemic is... Just base Pandemic is, is fun, but not great. So, I mean, just keep that in mind when I am telling you that Pandemic Legacy is amazing. Like, so, it's, it's really kicking it up, for me, at least. But, I mean, how many times had you played regular Pandemic before you jumped into Legacy? Because I think, again, I think when you play a cooperative game and you play it so many times, you can get a little burned out. And so I think the the legacy aspect, by the, all of the the stuff that the the experience of Pandemic Legacy brings that pandemic experience up, you know, from your mundane part. Two things. First, I, I think that having the ongoing story makes a, and we haven't even told you anything about Pandemic Legacy yet. That's how organized this episode is. Having the ongoing narrative, I think, just makes any, I feel like it just would just make any cooperative game better. It makes you actually care more, and it can make the game matter or be more interesting without having to just try to make it brutally hard. Because a lot, right, a lot of times with cooperative games, you have this difficult gauging of is it, is it super easy? Is it too easy? Is it too hard? And they'll try to do things like, oh, you can have scoring systems. So it's like, how much do you win? But I don't know that I've ever played a normal cooperative game where we cared about that. It was either you won or you didn't. lost. Right. And I don't really care if I win by five points or win by 17. And you're the super awesomest winner. Thanks, rulebook. Uh, (laughs) But as far as how many times I've played it, I don't know precisely. I had not played Pandemic all that much. Mm-hmm. In part because I kind of just like Flashpoint Fire Rescue better because it's like Pandemic but with, has a more of a theme. Pandemic, the base Pandemic is not very thematic. It's cubes on a board. The whole outbreak notion does seem is more thematic with this. I think right, like you have too much of a disease, you get a certain concentration of a disease, and then it starts spreading. And I think it works a lot better there than in Defenders of the Realm, where that game overall has more thematic elements because it's orcs and dragons and and now you're a particular kind of fantasy hero, but you basically are copying the outbreak mechanic, which I'm like, wait a minute, so now when there's three orcs, all of a sudden like a whole bunch more come out. Other orcs appear at nearby locations? What? I that like I don't know what that is supposed to represent in that game. Yeah, we we could have that talk, but that that's back to the birds and the bees, and I think that's best left to your to your parents. <laughs> you go ask them how that works. I don't think that is in any way, shape, or form what the theme of that is. Thank you very much. <laughs> Especially since it also applies with like skeletons. Anyhow, whereas but Flashpoint Fire Rescue, I, I you know you've got the burning house, and you've got and the way that works then is just the you, you've got these flashpoints that come up and they're random spots on the board like pandemic. But if too much fire gets there, then it flashes out and starts spreading. And, but the theme of that seems, seems more coherent at the, at the yes, time. Like just all, all the stuff. I don't know. How, have you played flashpoint? I, I haven't yet. Okay. I, I just, for me that does. So in the, the, the mechanics, the gameplay mechanics are very similar. So to me, it's like, I'd really always rather play it. So I own flashpoint. I don't own normal pandemic because it, I'm not going to play it enough to make it worth owning for me. But anyhow, so Pandemic Legacy then takes this pandemic and you still have the same thing. You're you're a group of people working for the CDC and you're going around and you're solving and you're trying to cure diseases and blah, blah, blah. And then stuff starts happening. 
lots and, of stuff. And we can't, out. in this part of the episode, we can't tell you what the stuff is. Right. Really. But you, you have a candle, like you, you, you open up the box, you have this rule book that has all these empty spaces in it. You have all these pouches and boxes that you're not supposed to open up until certain things happen. You have a, a deck of cards that you have to keep oriented the right way so you don't look at the... Although if you flip it over, there is a card on the bottom saying, this is the this bottom is the of the deck. Flip it back. <laughs> like It's not like you're going to see the end of the game if you accidentally... It says stop! Yeah. And, and you'll go through and you'll play games of Pandemic and at various points, something will happen and you'll open a box or open an envelope and there will be a new mechanic will be added in and you'll add stickers into the rules or onto the board because there, there are these four different diseases. In Pandemic, you're trying to cure the four different diseases. And you have a group of characters, you name them, which, okay, that wouldn't really matter much by itself. But as you go through the course of the year, because what you're doing is you're playing through a year and you start keeping a log of which games each character was in and whether you won or lost that game. At the end of every game, you can get these upgrades on the, the cards that you have a deck. So maybe you can put an upgrade on a character or maybe you can put a sticker on one of the cards in the deck. Not the deck that we were talking about, the plot stuff, but just the normal decks that the cards that try to cure the diseases and right you get some equipment upgrades and then or you can you know make your diseases easier to fight yes if you're playing pain ever right you can cure it you can cure, cure a disease which means that you've got a vaccine for it but then you can go further and eradicate it which is when not only to win under standard pandemic you have to what cure three of the diseases uh, standard pandemic is you cure all four. All four of them? You, ha- okay. you do not have to eradicate anything, but it helps. Yeah. If you cure a disease, but just cure it, then diseases of that, that disease continues to a cure. You've got a cure, but you have to go around and deliver it if new people get it. If you eradicate the disease, like it was smallpox, then it's just gone. So every time your deck is flipping up cards that would otherwise put cubes of that color on the board... They just do nothing. It's fantastic. And so if you eradicate a disease, that gives you the option to make it easier to, to cure in later games. So these are all upgrades you can put on the board. And then you can also have negative things. If there are certain bad things that might happen to characters during the game, then you put these stickers on them that are called scars, and that can negate what the character does. In fact, it's theoretically possible to get... Characters can die. die. It's they possible die. for characters to die. And in fact, it's theoretically possible for enough characters to die that you don't actually have characters anymore. You can just be generic, although that would be pretty sad. Right. Well, it you know, compared to a to a base game of of Pandemic, when you're when you're in certain cities, you're not thinking, okay, well, I need to get rid of those cubes over there, and I can leave these cubes here because it's not going to do anything to me. But now in Pandemic Legacy, when you're in a city that outbreaks, you know, you get that scar. So you have to go, do I really want to move over there to to be close to that, but not be able to affect those cities at all? Yeah, and as the plot, and because the plot stretches out over a year, you have things in this that you don't have in Pandemic Legacy, like the unrest essentially grows in the cities if they have a bunch of, if they have a bunch of outbreaks in a city. And then... That makes those cities harder to deal with in future games. Harder to even get to. Yeah, I mean, none of that's spoilery. It's that that mechanic is there from the start because you have to be able to start putting the stickers. Yes. On the board, right? So you, you put stickers on the board for it. So there's all, there's all sorts of things that you can do to improve it, but you, but it, it has a plot. There are twists to the plot. I guess, you know, some people on reviewing say that they're super obvious. I, don't really know that I don't really agree with that, but I, when we get to the tailed spoiler section, I guess we can hash that up more. Again, the the twists it, it's it's kind of you know that's like going to see the Sixth Sense and going, oh, I knew it the whole time. No, you didn't. Not the first time you saw it. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. I've uh, yeah, you could have discussions, but I remember I I particularly like Fight Club, and <laughs> such that I've actually watched the 
watch the movie with the like the director's commentary. And he right. actually has a section where I talk about that. And he, he gets to one point in the movie and he says, like, this is the first place where you could theoretically maybe figure out what is going on in this movie. And I have had people come up to me and tell me, like, oh, I knew all along what was going on. He's like, and they are full of it. We didn't put any information in the beginning of the movie that you could possibly have figured it out. Like it's, right. I made the movie. I know what I'm Like, just you're, you're, get over yourself. <laughs> you did not know that. Yes. So apparently, apparently you're not a fan of Fight Club? Oh, I love Fight Club. Okay. Oh, and that's why I don't talk about it. Yes. The actual philosophy uh, espoused in, in Fight Club, pretty repugnant. Oh, but an entertaining <laughs> movie, nonetheless. Yeah. So, yeah, and so you you get in, invested in this. I just, I love the narrative. I Clearly, I love narrative co-op. Or narrative, I'm nervous at anything right now. I'm super looking forward to Seafall, which is by the the same, uh, Rob Davo. Uh, he okay. designed Risk, yeah. sorry, Davo, am I killing his name? All right, he designed Risk Legacy, and then he did Pandemic Legacy as a modification. So he and, and Leacock, the original designer of Legacy or of, of Pandemic, are credited as the designers on this. And then Seafall is another one that's a, you know, it's a Seafall, a legacy game. And that, right. and that one is not a co-op. But if you remember, only two episodes ago, because that's how few episodes we put out, we had our end of the year slash beginning of the year podcast, and I had not yet played Pandemic Legacy. I said my favorite game of the year was Time Stories, which is also a fully co-op game with a narrative. I mean, a different sort of narrative that is really a focused on a story within a game session. There are carryover things, but not in the same way. And so this has supplanted it. So yeah, my number one and number two games from 2015 now are narrative-based full co-ops, which is strange. Well, apparently they finally figured out how to make co-ops that I just adore. Right. Well, it's it's you've realized to embrace your fellow man instead of trying to crush them beneath your boot. Uh, no. It's that. I don't think it's that. Well, I just... I, it wouldn't have been like I dislike co-ops, but it, like it is a hard calibration with making it interesting enough and to play a lot of times and having the right difficulty level and and yeah, it is it is less satisfying, I guess, to just have the group sort of win. Unless I mean, there's so, it, it has to be hard to make it satisfying for the group to win, but if it's if it's hard enough to make it really satisfying, that means you have to lose a lot, and then or, ha- or have the potential to lose a lot. And because not everybody might have played that game enough, you're more likely to lose if it's super hard. I don't know. So yeah, you have like like we since we've talked about Defenders of the Realm, I usually am not a big fan of playing Defenders of the Realm because I kind of sit down. I'm like, oh, I'm going to lose this game. The question is, how long does it take me to lose? Right. Some of the other stuff, there, there has to be more complexity in the course of getting there. I mean, I guess Eldritch Horror, you basically always lose at, give or take. Give or take, yeah. And that's, all right, well, I'm not going to say that you never win. And there was that one time where we came within one die roll of winning. But that's got a, a lot more story itself. I mean, not the same kind of story, but it's some sort of story and, and interesting really complicated stuff built into it. Robinson Crusoe, that's a good game, but it's not, to me, it's not a great game. So I don't know what other year, if I went back through the years, a co-op game would have made it, would, would be my favorite game of the year. And for 2015 right now, the top two are co-ops. So to me, that's, that's a, a big change. I don't know. But yeah, maybe I'm just heartless and evil. That's all right. <laughs> we still play games. Hey, hey, <laughs> yeah. right. bringing the heartless together. I-, I thought it was really good when we when we played through, and you and I have both played through the whole thing, but not together. So right, we played separate separate groups, um, yes. and I think you guys had one less game than we did. I uh, well, we can one, talk about that later. I don't. I, I guess we yeah. So you have 
I, I guess the general outlines of that. There are there are twelve months, and basically you get two cracks at each month. If you win the month the first time, then you go on to the next month. If you lose the month the first time, you play a second time in the same month. If you lose again, you move on. Again, non-spoiler on that though. The uh, I thought this was an interesting mechanic because it, you know, we talked about difficulty a minute ago. Is if you win, they automatically make it harder. Yeah. Because you get less funding. But if you lose, they give you more funding. Yeah. So you've got the deck that has all the cities in it, and that you know, you, the, these are the colored cards that correspond to diseases and cities, and you use them to cure the diseases. You have these events that are in the deck, and they're much, 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 much stronger than the normal cards. So you really want to draw them. And you start with a certain number of them in the deck, and you actually get to pick. You have a selection of maybe 10 at the start of the game. I think that's right. And you choose a certain number to go, and when I say at the start of the game, I mean the, the start of the your year. At every individual game, you choose which ones to put in, but how many you get depends on how you've been doing it. Every, maybe you start with being allowed to have four of them in, and every time you win, the next year you get two less, and every time you lose, the next year you get, or sorry, the next two more. game, you get two more. Right. Yeah, I believe you start with four. There is a ratcheting of difficulty. There is a, you'll see if you open it, that there is a box that says, open this if you lose, like, three games in a row. So, there's there's that. You actually have to have a separate sticker. Yes, you have to sticker the box. Yes. Well, they, they didn't label it properly, so... Yeah, so there's a sticker, so you actually know when you open the box. <laughs> but it was just, really, like, just the ongoing narrative really sucks me into caring about that game more. So the most, the most number of games you could possibly play is 24. Right. The smallest number of games you could possibly play is 12. I believe my group did 16. I just went back and counted. I took a picture of the back, because you actually record everything on the back of yes. your rule book. We did 16 so as well, so maybe we did do it in the same number. Well, you guys, I think, had some time. Like, you had, like, didn't you kind of do over at the beginning, maybe? And then you had a week or two where you couldn't play. So I think I, I think we partially got done before you guys did, because we oh, were yes. going through you- faster. Yeah, you guys definitely went through faster than we did. We had there were some nights we only got one game of the twenty-four in, you know. And we did we did actually about midway through the first game we had to call or not mid. We actually finished the first game. We actually had to go back and re and redo it because of the event deck that tells you when things are supposed to happen and whatnot, there was just a stop. And the other guy, the other Chris, he read it, and he didn't read the rest of the card. The rest of the uh, card tells you... It says stop, because so, it tells you to stop <laughs> flipping over cards. Don't turn right. this over, but then it tells you at the bottom of that card when to continue. Right. Do something Do something to remember to, to when you can start. But... We just stopped. Yeah, so your first game basically just didn't count. <laughs> like, right, right. We're just playing we did, a game in normal pandemic. <laughs> right, we, we played pandemic to refresh ourselves and had to pick up some stickers off the board and and, and start again. I guess we should address that. There are people, and I think that the, the number of people who are, are having this, have been vocal about this, has, has gone down as the with how positive the reaction to Pandemic Legacy has been. But Right, this is a consumable game. There is right. a lifetime of this game. The most times you will ever play this game is is twenty four, and I will tell you, you, you know, I guess you you will have to decide what you care about or not. If you just cannot get over that, you just will not get over that. And this game will tell you to destroy cards and such. You don't actually have to if it's really going to cause you a problem. Although it could be more, probably more fun if you do, but. It is such a good experience that I think is worth it. I like I I played this game sixteen times in a row. Right. Play anything sixteen times in a row. I mean, right? Like L five R is gone now, basically. So 
unless I'm getting out my Star Wars LCG, I'm probably not going to play any game twice in a row, much less 16 times. Uh, or I mean, other than that, I wouldn't play a game twice in a row, and on that, I would not play 16 times in a row. To speak to the consumable nature of this game, I've actually convinced my wife to play this with me, and I'm going to play it again, letting her do all of the decision-making through this game. Because I think it's an experience that she will really, really get a kick out of, and she's not a big gamer. The types of games that she really, you know, gravitates towards and, and likes are very, very few rules and very party-esque. So, but, you know, talking through it and talking about the narrative that it is, and it's like binge-watching a, a show. You just, you can't wait to start the next one. And so she's she's agreed and... I'm going to now go out and buy it, even though I've already played it, to play it again. Yeah. If I bought a second one, I guess I'd have to buy the other color. I, As far as I can tell, that's the only reason that you'd care about the color of the box. There's a blue box and a red box in case you're playing it with two groups, and that way you know which one is which. Right. That's that's the only difference is the color, and that is the nice thing about owning it. Since that's it's what it's a game that I personally bought. I now then get to keep the. It's kind of weird. Like I, I actually care more about keeping that now that it's done than I would about some of the other games because I, I now if I felt like it, I can open it up. I it would cost way too much, but it would kind of be nifty to have like the board sort of framed or something. Did you guys sign it? I don't remember what we put. I mean, we wrote stuff on it because you do that during the course of the game. But now, when when we finished, we actually got out like a silver sharpie, and everybody signed it. We found a corner that hadn't been written on at all and signed it. We definitely did not get out a silver sharpie. I don't. I think I'd remember if we had gotten out a silver sharpie. Get on that silver sharpie. But I don't know. Okay, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna do as they call it, the mid-roll thing for the sponsor, audible.com. And because you appreciate us, you're going to listen to that. After that, we're going to discuss Pandemic Legacy a little bit more with spoilers. So if you want to play this and, and you haven't, and if you haven't played it, you should want to play it. We I, I recommend it in the, basically the strongest possible terms. Just go get it. Stop listening to us right now. Go get it. Well, after after the mid yeah after our sponsors. I mean, it would be unfair to them to say leave now. But right, right, after right. that, after, after that, listening then, to sponsors, go out immediately. Yes. Find it online. Just, buy it. Just go. order it. Probably add something else and so you get free shipping. That sort of thing. What what else should they add in? Well, food chain magnate just came back in stock. Okay. Uh, and you will definitely get free shipping by doing that. Food <laughs> Chain Magnet by itself gets you free shipping. Free shipping. I mean, look, Food Chain Magnet was a solid game, but I like a hundred ten bucks for no, oh, no, yeah, no. I'm I'm sorry, Food Chain Magnet. You're nice, but you're not that nice. Split it with somebody. Split it with somebody. <laughs> if you were me. And you're not. What you would buy with it, if you were getting right now, is probably the X-Wing Ghost expansion pack from Star Wars Rebels. Let's see. What What is on my current go and buy now? I guess I'm on a guild, a guild ball kick right now as far as that. So go buy a starter for that, and then you can... Okay, so Strange Assembly today is brought to you by Audible.com, like we said. So that's audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly and if you go to audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly you can actually get a nifty book a uh, nifty audio book called guess what oh I don't even know uh, pandemic there you go I mean there could really only be one possible either that or legacy or something get, if I'm asking you to guess completely cold right this is by an author named Sonia Shaw, who's actually probably better known for having written a book called The Fever, which is about the history of malaria, specifically. Pandemic. The, the subtitle of Pandemic is Tracking Congenitions from Cholera to Ebola and Beyond. So 
you can not only go play Pandemic, you can actually get some factual information. You can tell from my uh, my sort of recommendations, the the sort of uh, I don't know, either either um, very excellently knowledge consuming or I don't know what's the word boring. I was I was going to say historical. You don't, you don't have to go boring. There's another. That's that's what I do. You're like, what are I? I have this specifically gaming podcasts, and then I just have these. It's like history podcasts, history podcasts, pol- public policy podcasts, politics podcasts. I used to listen to music, and I at some point I should do more of that again. But now I just sort of cram knowledge through my ears into my brain. And presumably, if you're listening to us, you, in fact, have a device that you could download this book onto and listen to it. So you can find Pandemic by Sonia Shaw or thousands of other books on Audible. That is audibletrial.com slash strangeassembly. Okay, now it's the spoiler stuff. So if you haven't played yet... This is your last chance. Now's your chance to turn us off. Okay. So, here's another thing. So I said Pandemic Legacy is awesome, despite the fact that I like Pandemic, but it's not not amazing. Pandemic Legacy is also awesome, despite the fact that the first main plot twist is basically zombies, and I don't like zombies either. <laughs> it's, it's, they're, yeah, they're, they are definitely zombies. We, yeah. <laughs> everybody calls them zombies. They're, they're, they're faded. Yes. If you're listening to this, that means you already played Pandemic Legacy, so we don't have to explain it to you, right? So, but they, I thought that, I was not surprised by that at all. I was, it was a little bit of a groaner, honestly, but, and they partially you call, everybody calls them zombies because it comes with the little figures that look like zombies. Like zombies, yes. I think though, if, if you played the original one, you call your different diseases, you call the black ones either the black plague or the zombie plague. You call the blue ones something French. You call the yellow one, you know, uh, what was it, uh, Ebola? And like if you're red. just playing the base game, yeah, you just call you just call them things to make fun, to make it fun, you know, make it silly to oh, increase no, the theme. No, no, man, it, it's it's yellow, blue, red, and black. I come on, I, no, no way, come on, <laughs> never. All right, we, we now, and you actually are required to name them. Once you eradicate it, you name it. In these, yes. Yeah. So we, I've kind of forgotten. We did the black one. We did name something about like the black plague or the blue. The red one was ginger vitus. <laughs> so what was your faded? Our faded was yellow. Ours was red. Yeah. So East Asia. So we had South America and South Africa was our faded. Pulling up the map, I'm looking for Ground Zero. I actually took a picture of the of the board. I think it was it was in South America. It looks like San Paulo was our Ground Zero. Which the moment we had to put a, a Ground Zero sticker out, you're like, oh, that's oh, okay, okay. Something happens there, right? So again, we didn't know what that twist was going to be. But you knew that you would eventually have to go back there. Yeah, so we had we had gingivitis. No, so gingivitis was not red. Gingivitis was yellow. Why was gingivitis yellow? Because it makes your teeth fall out. I don't know. I don't know. Well, but I, I was I was sitting here thinking it was like a redhead joke. Gingivitis. Right. No. No. I I I, I thought it would have been better. <laughs> Blue is Chrisitis because there were multiple Chrises or just two. Right. And then black was the replague. So our Taipei was our ground zero. We lost in January, and we lost in I th- we like lost right at the beginning. Actually, I should be able to just since we've got the record here, flip over the rule book. Say it's right here. Yeah. So we we lost in January, we lost in February, and we lost in early May, and yes. we just romped from that everything point. else. Well, until October and the second big plot twist. I got to have some fun with that. So <laughs> I was very big on... Military? No, 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 no. I, oh, I, okay. I was very big on like on the upgrades. Like I, Man, it's like, yeah, let's get research stations out here. Let's get all the permanent stuff. I don't know if we ever put an unfunded event on. I'm like, that's a waste. I'm not going to put an upgrade on a card that yeah. I might 
might never even draw. It was all about the character upgrades, the the disease upgrades, and the permanent research station. Oh yeah, like right at, yeah at the beginning, eradicate and research station, eradicate. I think we I played the medic the entire time. Every single game, I was the medic. Let's see who's our medic. And uh, we we did not change around much. We tended to have a lot of consistency. The one thing we didn't really talk about earlier was the relationships. Once once you brought in a new character to get those relationships going, then it kind of really cemented which who you were going to use. Yeah, that was that was interesting. I've I've seen some people speak positively of that because oh, it forces you to use the new people. But what mostly happened for us was that we hardly used the relationships because two of these people we are going to have in the, the driver or right the, the operations the, expert yeah is broken they are far more powerful than anybody else so we're never going to have somebody other than that and we're always going to have the medic in but now we can never have those people get her. Be buddies with each other but right. if you remember like the, right the second plot twist you are given a car a sticker which you are clearly supposed to go oh my god that is amazing and just put it on Right, it's the one that lets you just walk around and actually shoot the faded. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There's, oh, I can't remember which one that was, but yes. It's paramilitaries. Y- yes. I think it's paramilitaries. So we did not put that on because I always felt there was something better on. And we did not put it on. And I think we had several months where we had the option to put that on. Right. And we, we kept, we didn't put it on, we didn't put it on. And we had a big discussion going into October where I was really advocating for not no to not put it on. Oh, okay. And to put something else on. I'm like, we just don't need that. We I I cannot remember now what it was that I was arguing that we should put on instead, but I just did not think that we needed to do that. And then, of course, you get into October and we Bam <laughs> Jeff Green the medic, that was my I was rivals with so yes, I was rivals with the Oh no! Oh no! No! no you not, not the operations expert. The operations person did become very valuable for dropping. Uh, your thing, dispatcher. I'm sorry. But the dispatcher was who went. So that was that was actually a thing. So we had what happens right. So in October, if anybody has forgotten, right, you have whoever has the paramilitary expert is is the traitor. They're secretly the people who are in charge of causing all of this unrest. If that person is not in the game, it's like the character who has the next. It's it's a military ca- the military well, you, character who has the next, has birthday. The next birthday. But it, and if you don't have any military characters, then it's the character with the next birthday. So yeah, it, it kind of goes down the. Anyhow, so yeah. had we not put the paramilitary on, then the person who died would have been the operations expert, who is semi useless at that point, because like he puts down military bases, which now you need to run around destroying. Right. <laughs> And it would have been made a perfect storyline sense, too, right? Because the, oh, the operations expert is the guy who's been running around building all of these military bases. And it would, that would make perfect sense for him to be the secret leader of these paramilitary guys. But no. So we, yeah, we put the paramilitary in. And we put the paramilitary on our quarantine expert. Because what we basically oh, did is we had the yeah. quarantine. I know. I know. Oh. <laughs> the quarantine specialist, right? So, yeah, yeah. So we our quarantine specialist... What we were largely able to do for this just long string of time in there was that the, the quarantine specialist would sit and just by herself deal with the faded while we ran around and did everything else, basically. Right. right dealing with the faded is mostly not lose. Like, you make sure we don't lose. <laughs> right. While we go. And so when we got to the beginning of October, we hardly had any sort of like we, we barely had any explosion we we were really crushing it we got to october the quarantine specialist and during the month when the surprise happened not only did the quarantine specialist get taken away thus really like making things it hampers but, you immediately but the quarantine specialist got taken away in the middle of the quarantine specialist turn when we needed the quarantine, spe- the quarantine <laughs> specialist was going to use the paramilitary escort. We were relying on the paramilitary escort, and we had two characters who were in a city, 
and the quarantine specialist was going to move in and kill the faded there. So that when the next character started their turn, the quarantine specialist went away. And so then we had two characters who started their turn with these faded, got scarred. Then it outbroke. Like we had a string of outbreaks because all of a sudden our way of dealing with the faded was gone. I mean, completely. The quarantine specialist was gone. The paramilitaries were gone. And all of a sudden, East Asia went from this relatively pristine thing that we had kept a good handle on to just unrest everywhere. Uh, Beijing went down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, you know, looking at our board and talking about this is we actually kept our faded fairly under control. We had trouble in Asia as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, I'm looking at, you know, we had a couple fives in Asia. I think Beijing was the only one that we had that totally went down. We also had a an extended discussion. One of the players, uh, Z, wanted to use the, like, the tactical nuke. Oh, the nuke? Or whatever it is. He just wanted to use it because it was there. And I was like, no! no right, uh, yeah. We, oh, no, no. We're like, we should use this. No. And thankfully, no. We, we used basically no barricades because i'm like this just does not make a lot of sense i'd have to double check i don't i think we we finally started getting even i sort of thinking like oh maybe we should once beijing went down because you can completely close it off but and thank of course again thank god we didn't you know i i liked the barricades and, and it was for the for this main reason is that it kept the faded from coming up from yellow into blue and that that hit that blocked off Atlanta, and blocked off uh, Washington, and that you know if you lose Atlanta, that's problematic. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Well, it's it's one of your you know it's, one, it's of your one of your starting research. research. I mean, it, it, your yeah, starting it, research. It, yeah, so. you can start anywhere that you put a permanent research facility on the board, and that's really that's a big part of why. This is, I felt like Pandemic Legacy overall was, it's easier than Pandemic. I think you have a, you will in general have a higher win rate. And a big part of it is that at the start of the game, you, at the start of the first few games, you, not only do you get to eradicate the diseases, but you then you get to, uh, to start with the research facilities all over the board that then you can just transit between. Right. I mean, you, you need something to deal with the increased difficulty that comes from the faded, but. Well, but that and the, they're also, they're only putting the, f- the five epidemics in. Like in, in base pandemic, you can get up to seven. You, you know, you can add to make it harder for you. Uh, yeah. So. That was one of the things that I was thinking of with the, with the difficulty level. You know, you don't want it to be super easy, right? You, you want it to actually be a challenge. You want to, you know, you want to have it actually be a sense of accomplish it. But, you have a, a sort of broader band of success as far as where you can end up and still feel satisfied with the game. If you sit down and play a normal game of Pandemic and you just crush it, that's pretty unsatisfying. Right. Uh, where with something like this, because you have this active story and these people you're trying to protect and these long-term goals, you can feel pretty excited when you just crush it. <laughs> you're like, we are awesome. Yeah, we... we uh uh, Sync was our trader, and we didn't let him talk the rest of that particular game when he turned out to be the trader. <laughs> we took it very personally and blamed him for it. It was it was ex- extremely funny. Leo was our trader. You guys did or did not pull off a win on that month. We did not. Okay, that was so our yeah. We we actually did pull off a win that month, but not the the next month after. Uh, November. Yeah, we we got obliterated in October. Just the timing of the treason, it was uh, yeah. crushing. But yeah, so I, I played the medic the whole time. Leo started out as, uh, since you don't start with the quarantine specialist, started out with, the, there were a couple of lineups at the beginning, and then and then played the quarantine specialist the whole time. Uh, Josh was the dispatcher the whole time. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, we had we had a medic the entire time, and then we actually also had the what is it? The scientist or the researcher? The no, it's the scientist. The cures for less. Yeah, we had those two for 
all of our games, and it was uh, me and Sink who would trade out the character. Oh, that's right. The, the scientist cures for less, and the researcher right. passes pass stuff around. We hardly used the scientist. We just felt the scientist ability was not as powerful. We did some. Once we got him, Z- Zogelman used the the operations specialist a lot, and I think the researcher was the next most common one. That the ability to trade seemed to work out right a lot more than, especially since we we gave the researcher. I think the researcher and the quarantine specialist were had related. The, the relationship, yeah. so that. Basically, let the, re- the the quarantine specialist, who was not curing diseases because she was dealing with uh, outbreaks, right? Outbreaks, and then you could send those to the researcher, and so she could then go around and just pass them to everybody else. I think we got stuck on a, on a on a a good hit with we had the quarantine specialist, the medic. The, the scientist, and then we actually had the researcher for a little while, but then the operations specialist came in and replaced. Yeah. But because we didn't start with with a couple of those, we were able to give them relations with, when we brought in new characters. So it was kind yeah. of... Yeah. Let's see. What do I... We did use the immunologist briefly. There were a lot of them that we... Right. I never... Generalist got used in January, and that was it. Yeah, we once the immunologist came out, we we're like, "Oh, okay, Bloop. let's go." The immunologist got used in December, and then that was that was it. And the immunologist, we did give coworkers to, which is the one that it makes trading cards easier. Yeah, we never used the colonel. We never used the virologist. The scientist got used twice. Right. Lots of uh, usage by the operations expert, the soldier we never used. You can see that we were just not interested. Like, the military characters, other than the operate, like, they just weren't that helpful. And the operations specialist just had, I'm sorry, the quarantine specialist just had everything under control, yeah. But the medic was used every single game. The dispatcher was used every single game. And then the, and then nine, nine out of 16 for the researcher. We gave the medic the veteran status, so we really didn't have to bring in a lot of the the soldier type to be able to use the military facilities. And then also with the operations specialist, you know, he would basically jump somewhere, drop drop something. And then everybody could jump around to it, you know. So that was something we discussed adding. We actually ended up not doing that thing, uh, but the oh, yeah, the dispatcher. You could give the give the dispatcher the pilot upgrade. That was bonkers. That was right. probably too good. <laughs> well, we we gave the di- we gave the dispatcher pilot, right. and then when it came up, we gave the dispatcher multiple identities. So now the dispatcher could could move anyone on a direct flight without discarding a card, just showing it, returning it to hand, and then he could use multiple identities to do, when he moved somebody else using the shuttle flight action, they could also go, they could go to and from military and research alike. Okay. Yeah. I think the operations expert who got used also nine times was the only... Military, you guys, and yeah, rival, and then we we did use the we had the relationship rivals with uh, the medic. So again, I clearly, my right. me and my medic Jeff were uh, we were on the right track. You were, on, you were definitely on the right track. Yes. If we had just done what I wanted, we would have successfully revealed uh, what was what was his Dwayne. We would have successfully revealed Dwayne <laughs> as. Uh, oh no, that's what we had. The, the immunologist was Dimitri. The journalist was Cayenne. The scientist was Emily Rose, operations expert Dwayne Young. I know listeners out there, this is very exciting. It's probably a sign we should stop. Uh, the medic was Jeff Green. The researcher was Valenia Voss, and the dispatcher was Wu Tang. <laughs> so, so what did you think about the searching aspect? Because that took the car, the city cars that you could use to cure diseases and move around and turn them into 
okay, now I have to to use them to find the next person. I thought that worked out pretty well. Yeah, did I don't, you I don't guys, rem- remember having any problems with it. Did you guys do each one on the first try? Except whatever. Was there something? Was there a search? If there was a search we had to do in October, then no. I I don't remember if we did every single one on the first try, but we got them all. Like maybe the first one we didn't. You did. You didn't have multiple searches at the same. Okay. Then yeah. No, right. I, I don't think we ever had. Ever have. Because that feel like that's one thing that I would say that it could have really, you know, searching for the different aspects was it, it really it kind of put the, the extra stress, at least it did on us, of how do we use these cards to make sure we find that person without letting the world go to hell. Yeah, but I mean, you had you had lots of uh, you you have the, the do overs, right? You get the second month if necessary. I mean, obviously that right. negatively affects your score. And I, if I'm recalling correctly, the searches were generally mission objectives. So right. if you, right, right. I guess you could have a problem like if you were winning despite not having accomplished the search, which you can do, but. It's it's one of the optional, right? You still had to cure your three diseases, and then do two of uh, you know one or two of the others. Yeah. Oh, I like the speaking of the objectives. I like the sneaky, sneaky way, and not so sneaky in advance. But and we know now in hindsight. But I think very effective things they did was they gave you the objective where it was like. One of your mission objectives is to have six military bases. Out, oh yeah, which gives you this oh, yeah. enormous incentive to start dropping the permanent Drop military bases. Because it's like, wait a minute, we can get to the position where we basically can start the game one military base from one of our objectives, and then flipping it around so the military bases become a detriment. That I, I thought that worked really well because it felt very organic to add that as an objective. No, I, I that was that was very well done. That was super subtle and very elegant. Because it's you're like, oh yeah, we want to do that, and for a time, it's a benefit. You can still jump through them, and then you're like, oh, we need to get rid of these. Yeah, well, and you had other things that worked well with, uh... like the quarantine specialist. Also, really liked to have the mili- the military bases. Yeah, well, that, I'm, I I I can't look at the quarantine specialist because her car is destroyed. in is destroyed. <laughs> uh, but if I recall correctly, we we put a an upgrade on her that yeah, it was like a subdue uh, subdue unrest or something. Quarantine next nearby. Yes, it lets you if you were in a military base, you could use your action on adjacent spaces. We did because we had a similar one on the the medic. Like that, you can start with right away, where it lets you use your ability. You, it lets you cure disease when you're next door. That you have to have that on the medic. That is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was similar to that. It was like if you're on a military base, you can quarantine somewhere adjacent. So it let the operation specialist. I mean, right? It's kind of interesting. The operation specialist doesn't have to be in the outbreak area necessarily, because the whole point of the operation specialist is that she can quarantine something without being there. So you could potentially just have her on the other side of the board. It just, like, that's it, that's not how we used her, and it worked out very well for us until October. Having her just be doing essentially all the quarantining. Yeah, and so but when once we got that upgrade on her, she could really be safe in the military base, and, and like, her turn could then be, is my, does my spot have a quarantine on it? No, okay, like, definitely put one on my spot, and then one next to me, one next to me, and then whatever the hotspot is over there. And, and, and you much less often had to waste <laughs> the actions like, to move. To move, yes. Yeah. The quarantine specialist is definitely, with that power and in a military base, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then she, she went away. Was, she was a, she was bad. Dirty traitor. Dirty yeah. traitor. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. So, do you have any, uh, Anything final to add in for our spoilerific section? We can't uh, tell them to go buy it now because you've already you, you, you either been. you either clearly don't listen to what we say or you've already played it. So, right. uh, <laughs> you know, I, 
the only thing that I that I can think of is you know there's and I, I felt I felt a little bad doing this. There are a couple months, especially at the beginning, when if you can keep things under control and lose by a timeout by drawing all of the cards, I think that might be better than actually winning outright in a particular month. If that makes sense, because like, you know, if you're if you got the board, you know, you you don't have a lot of diseases out, so you're not getting a lot of outbreaks. You mean just so you can score an extra two upgrades? Correct. Just the early on, those upgrades are ridiculously helpful. They can be if you're really under control, or or you could try to. I think if we were tempted to do something like that, which we declined to do anything like that, you could. Try to, uh, for instance, set up your barricades, right? Making sure you set up a couple barricades or eradicating something so that you could get the specific upgrades that you know you wanted. We didn't do that either because I was the only one kind of meta thinking that. <laughs> it's like, how, how can I met, how can I meta game the upgrades to make the rest of this year easier? If you do that, that can actually hurt you because you get you get penalized on your points at the end for correct. correct. Well, not I guess technically you don't get penalized. You just don't get as get many as points many. if you uh, had right. to do it twice. But yeah. uh, so okay, we'll we'll close it off with a little bonus. Very briefly, is there anything since you are obsessed with this? Is there anything on Kickstarter you think people should go check out? Well. Let's see. The answer can uh, be no. Uh, you know, you, usually you've got a bunch of them lined up. You know, right now, I'm actually strangely not, don't have a lot of them out there. The only one that, that's kind of on my radar for coming up soon is Massive Darkness on the 7th. So that's actually coming out pretty soon. It's going to start, and then it's probably going to run for at least 15 to 20 days. So, and that's a cool mini or not, Massive Darkness. It's going to run for at least 15 to 20? That's it? Yeah, I think their, you know, their, their strategy on some of their Kickstarters lately is to come down on the days. But again, this is a bit, this is supposed to be one of their big box, you know, Dungeon Crawl-esque, so they might make it do a full 30. But I would I would not be surprised if it was a twenty day campaign. Oh. Well, let's see. For things that are more than a week out, I the one that I am look the the board game I am looking at is is Anachrony by the the folks who did Tricarian, which we'll probably talk about in a future episode when it'll be too late for you to evaluate it for Anachrony. But it's got this nifty mechanic where the end of the world is coming and you know the end of the world is coming because there's you like once this asteroid hits the earth, it has a material that lets people develop time travel. So like you have sent information back to yourself. So now that you know in advance, the asteroid is coming and you can, in fact, in the future, your future self can send resources and workers and stuff back to your past self. So you can try to position your faction to be better off and uh, possibly be in charge after the asteroid hits. But then once you get to the future, you have to start sending the, the resources that you got, quote-unquote, for free earlier in the game. You have to actually start sending yourself back. Right. You or else, have to or else you can, you know, cause damage to the space-time continuum, a.k.a. lose victory points. <laughs> I mean, hey, if that's all it takes to, uh, to damage the space-time continuum... I'm not losing any victory points. <laughs> I'm making lots of damage. Move to the mechanics for the mechanics, but that's—I mean—that's exactly. that's the consequence. You can't just be like, "I don't care about the space-time continuum, whatever." Right. Right. So. Yes. Uh, but that's interesting. So that—and that's why—that's my mind clash. So that's 11 days from now, with now being uh, May 26th. Yes. So, you have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can download episodes of the podcast there or through iTunes or your other pod app 
on uh, whatever sort of phone you choose to use. You can find us on Twitter, we're at StrangeAssembly, or on at Facebook.com slash StrangeAssembly. I always like to hear from you. You can contact me directly. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com. But until then, for Matt Sandlin, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming.